0: welcome. Thank you for tuning into the third installment of the Family Office Solutions Group Masterclass Podcast Series. We created this series to ensure we are delivering you with timely and relevant content. My name is Meredith Yelly, and I am a director in the Family Office Solutions Group at UBS, also known as FLSJ. The Family Office Solutions Group is a dedicated team of specialists who work with our private wealth advisors to deliver holistic advice to clients of exceptional financial success. If you haven't already worked with our team, I encourage you to reach out to your private wealth advisor to learn more about the resources and capabilities of the Family Office Solutions Group, which includes income tax advisory, family office advisory, philanthropy services, and so much more related to both your financial and lifestyle assets. The focus of today's podcast will be on private aviation. Our panelist for today is Ari Warsowski, Director of Sales at Exo. Exo offers multiple ways to buy and ways to fly on private jets, including private charters with guaranteed availability and single seats on shared flights. Ari will be discussing the different options available for flying private, factors to consider when deciding on the right solution, and some common pitfalls and oversights to be mindful of. Before we start, I want to mention the following. EXO is included within the UBS professional network, but is not affiliated with UBS. Inclusion of EXO on the professional network and the selection of this firm to brief clients on private aviation is not a recommendation of or a business referral to EXO. Ari, thank you so much for joining us today, and let's dive right in. So, my first question is, can you walk through the different options available to clients who wish to fly private? Yeah,
1: absolutely. and thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Meredith. So we see a number of clients um, you know call us looking to uh, I guess charter private jets, and a lot of questions we get is, well, we hear about all these different uh, ways to fly and uh, kind of outline the differences between those. So um, really, on the broadly speaking, you have ownership and you have chartering. Um, And within each one of those categories, there's several ways to do it. So on the ownership side, you're going to come across whole aircraft ownership. And this is a very simple buy an airplane, put it under a management company. um, It's your aircraft and you fly. Um, Second to that, we see fractional ownership where similar to ownership, you're buying into an asset, but maybe you're buying into a quarter, an eighth or a sixteenth share of the aircraft. Um, so you still get the advantages of um, you know, the, the depreciation um, deductions, et cetera, but um, you know, you're still an owner into the aircraft. And those are really the two big ones that we see when you're uh, talking about ownership. There is leasing. I'm not going to really go into that. It is um, just because it, it can go down a rabbit hole. But um, when we look at the chartering side of it, what you're going to come across is three uh, high-level models. You're going to see jet cards. You're going to see membership programs. Uh, and you're going to see ad hoc chartering. With JET cards, what you're typically doing is you're buying out a block of hours. Uh, so you're going to pre-buy 25, 50, 100 hours um, that are you know, good for X number of years and uh, at a fixed rate. And those are the hours you can use over that time. Um, the second model is memberships. And uh, similar to a JET card, uh, but rather than pre-buying hours, you're typically putting funds onto an account Um, And this is kind of more of how our company operates, where you put funds in an account, and it works sort of like a debit card, that as you fly, you just debit the funds on account. Um, On top of that, you might be paying some sort of a membership uh, fee to be part of the program. Uh, On the third side of it, you have ad hoc chartering. And this one here is, you know, really no strings attached. Um, You pay for a flight as you need it. Um, and the minute you get off the airplane, you walk away. (laughs) So really on one end of the spectrum, whole aircraft ownership, really the most investment longest term commitment, um, you know, most variables to consider on the furthest end of the spectrum opposite that you're going to see ad hoc chartering where pay for an individual flight. And the minute you get off the airplane, you know, you write the check and you're done with it. Um, and there are, you know, multiple, uh, considerations for each one of these that we're going to dive into, um, I seem a little bit further, but Those are the big ones. Ownership, chartering, and the subsets thereof.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to mention that, you know, all these different options are not mutually exclusive, and they can be done in combination with one another. And I really appreciate you kind of breaking down the whole sector overall and just talking about the different options. But can you elaborate a little bit more, and this is kind of what you were alluding to, we would be getting on later in the discussion, is just what are some of the things that someone should consider when they're choosing the right solution for them in regards to private aviation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you actually mentioned a great point. Um, Just a a good lead-in, I guess Um, they're not mutually exclusive. So we do see a number of clients who will own an entire aircraft and they'll actually also have a jet card or membership to supplement that when the airplane is down Um, or they may have multiple memberships that focus, you know, each, each company focuses on a different aircraft type, some for longer range some for shorter range. So, um, yeah, exactly. It's that there might not be one right solution, but it could be a combination thereof. So the first thing you're going to want to consider when you're looking into, um, you know, going down either an ownership or chartering path is going to be, what's your flight profile? This is probably the most single most important question. Uh, and within this, you're going to start to ask yourself, okay, well, how often do you fly? Are you flying every single week for business? Is this going to be something that you're going to be using maybe twice a year to go between uh, New York and California and that's it? Um, do you need to go internationally or is it all domestic? So once again, how often are you flying and what types of flights are you taking? Um, the second thing you're going to look at within this is what type of aircraft do you need? Um, it's one thing to, to say, Hey, I need a light jet that fits, you know, me and my business partner for all of our travel versus, oh yeah, whenever we take these flights, we're going with four of our closest family friends out to Colorado or Aspen and we need a 16 passenger Gulf street. So, you know, once again, what type of aircraft is going to be a big deciding factor? Other things to consider: you want to, you know, figure out your call out. Is are you typically booking last minute travel? Are you booking well in advance? Do you have flexibility when you travel? You know, maybe it's just kind of for vacation, or maybe, you know, this is all for business. We have to be at a certain place at a certain time. So these are all questions to consider in developing what your flight profile looks like. Um, The other two factors to think about when deciding um, what's the right model for you is to look at both the financial factors and then, you know, the non-monetary factors. Um And when you think of the financial factors, you're going to be looking at um you know things like a capital investment versus um what's the opportunity cost that you know if I you know buy an asset or I buy an aircraft, what's the alternative to being able to place that money into the market where it might it might grow um Other terms might be you know financing terms so if you're going to buy an aircraft once again uh depending upon interest rates and the the terms of financing that could have a significant impact on what the total cost of this um, of its assets actually going to end up being. Um, the third things you're going to be looking at is you're going to look at things like uh, you know, uh, direct operating costs. Certain aircraft are more expensive than others. So going back to that flight profile, you know, if it's just maybe one or two people traveling on a short hop, do you really need a Gulfstream for that mission? Um, and then really importantly, is the tax considerations. I think this is a big one that gets overlooked. Every single state has uh, specific tax implications, and we're not tax advisors, so I'd recommend When, if you do go down this road, whether it's for chartering or aircraft ownership, to really get a a tax expert that specializes in aviation and can help guide you um, on what the best decisions will be from this, um, you know, from a financial standpoint. Um, And then the last one, when you're looking at, you know, this, I guess at least for the ownership model, is some people will purchase an aircraft and then put it onto a 135 charter certificate. And this means that um, essentially when you're not using it, you can potentially offset some of your costs by chartering it out. That being said, you want to think about, you know, hey, I just bought an aircraft. I'm going to have a bunch of random renters who are going to be in my airplane, might make it dirty, might scratch the seats. So once again, you know, just another item to consider there when thinking about the financial implications. Um, On the flip side of that, you have the non-monetary factors. You know, when you're debating between ownership or chartering ad hoc versus jet cards, um, are you looking for a consistent experience? Um, there's a number of brokers out there that you can go to, and every single time it's going to be on a different aircraft, every single time it's going to be a different operator. Um, you may not know exactly what you're getting when you fly. There are a number of operators out there, or I should say um, a number of programs out there where either the companies own their own fleets or um, they have a very consistent aircraft experience that every single time you fly, you're getting into the same aircraft. And of course, you know the highest level of that it's going to be when you own an aircraft or you have fractional you're really going to get into that same aircraft. But um, that obviously comes at a, a significantly higher cost. And it, you know, for some people they say, look, as long as it's a safe, reliable operator and a clean aircraft, I know I'm getting getting that every single time, terrific. It's a slam dunk win. So um, you know, consistency of experience. And another big one is going to be uh aircraft availability. Uh one of the things that we're seeing, especially um since COVID has kind of uh, changed the shape of the industry is a lot of people who are moving from uh, commercial over to private. First-time flyers, um, you know, kind of getting stacked on top of the uh, legacy flyers who were previously flying private on top of the world opening. And there's a tremendous increase in demand for private aviation. So, personally, what I, you know, would recommend is if you are looking to go down this road right now, try to find, um, you know, try to find a provider that either has aircraft on fleet or has some level of control over, their operation and they can guarantee availability of aircraft on short notice. Um, and that kind of really goes back into the experience because we do see clients who will call you know 24 hours out and it's important that they have an aircraft available that they can fly on. Um, and you know the last part, when you look at, you know, on the the ownership versus the uh the ownership versus the chartering side, um, there's something to be said at the end of the day when you know, if you plan to do change or you do need to, you know, maybe not fly as much down the road or fly more, that you have that flexibility. And if you have to walk out of a program, you can very easily get out of it. Um, When you you purchase uh, an aircraft and you put it under management, it's very sticky. You know, you're not going to just be able to walk away from that easily. You're going to have to sell off the asset. You're going to have to, you know, close out all the the relationships you have with the management and whatnot. Um, As opposed to some charter programs where, hey, if plans change on the fly, Great, you can close out your account, get your funds back, and you're good to go. So uh, that's that's another consideration is what level of flexibility do you need in that?
2: Thank
0: you for sharing some of the monetary and non-monetary factors families should consider when choosing the right solution for them to apply private or right solutions as we've learned, they can be kind of used in combination. So now kind of shifting gears a little bit from some of the families and family offices that you've worked with over the past, you know, several years, can you kind of share some of the common pitfalls or oversights people make when they're choosing the right solution for them and kind of going through the due diligence process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the two types of pitfalls were focused on ownership and chartering as well. One of the first things that we see is a client who comes in, they're brand new to private aviation. And they just say, I want to go buy an aircraft um, without realizing what exactly your flight profile is. So before you make a decision on what program, whether it's an ownership program or it's a charter program is right for you, it's very important to understand what is your flight profile. Uh, how much will you be flying? The last thing you want to do is you know, buy an entire aircraft to find out that you're flying 10 hours per year. Um, or go into a fixed rate program on a you know for heavy jets that fit 16 passengers only to realize that you know your ideal jet is actually going to be fitting 2 to 4 passengers. Uh so once again the one of the first big ones is really get a good grasp on what your flight profile looks like before you lock yourself into a long term um asset heavy or long term fixed rate program that you you don't have the ability to easily um you know get out of or change. Uh the second thing when you're looking at ownership it's very important to consider all the expenses beyond just the acquisition cost of the asset. Um, and that is one in and of itself. You know, we are seeing very high asset prices these days, just in the way the market is. But beyond that, you're going to want to consider that these aircraft require a lot of maintenance. Um, and there's different maintenance levels. You know, you can go for the bare minimum that meets the FAA um, standards, or you can go put it on a, you know, at the engine on an MSP gold platform that you're paying every single month and, you know, you're ensuring that all the proper maintenance is done exactly on schedule. Um, you know, to the highest level. Uh, and each one of these comes with a different cost. So there are going to be factors that you're, you're going to want to consider. Um, and when it comes to aircraft maintenance, it, it's not necessarily cheap. So it's very important to understand um, what the acquisition costs, what the ongoing costs for the management, and maintenance, uh, everything surrounding that. Uh, next, when you're looking at ownership, keep in mind that you're going to be needing to staff pilots. So if you're working with a reputable management company, you know, they should be able to get pilots. But good pilots, qualified pilots come at a price as well. So it's just going to be important to keep that in the back pocket um, or the back of your mind when you're making these decisions. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you're going to want to think about the tax considerations that vary state by state. So if you are going down the ownership path, you know, definitely speak with the aviation tax advisor and uh, get their get their guidance on what the right course of action based upon, you know, where you're opening the LLC or whether they're, where the aircraft will be based. Um, because that can all have a pretty significant impact on what the total uh, total investment's going to be. Um, for pitfalls, pitfalls on the chartering side, so one of the big things that we see, and I think it's important to keep in mind, is that a there's a difference between a low price and a good deal. Um, and just because it's a low price doesn't mean it's a good deal, and just because it's a good deal doesn't mean it's going to come with a low price. Um, a good, reliable operator um, is going to pay to have safe aircraft, qualified crew, and a robust operation. And there's something to be said for that where um, just because it's the cheapest aircraft in the market, um, it doesn't mean it comes with a qualified, you know, a, a highly experienced crew. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, these operators are, are uh, uh, maintaining their aircraft to the highest standards. It might be FAA certified, but not necessarily to the highest of, you know, standards that exist out there. So it's really important to look beyond the price tag and really get an understanding of Who is the operator or the charter program that I'm working with? Um, Are they the operator? Are they just a broker? Do they have aircraft on fleet? Um, What are they doing for the maintenance? Where do they get their crews from? Um, Are they contract pilots? Are they in-house pilots? And really build a good picture of the program that you're entering and um, what they're offering when you sign up with them. Um, The second thing is also, you know, that we see is really locking yourself into a program. This goes, you know, once again, back to new flyers who come in, and are trying to develop that flight profile. If you are new to the industry, a lot of these, um you know, jet cards or programs are non-refundable. Um I would recommend trying to start off with a refundable program that you can, you know, kind of build out your flight profile, understand the type of aircraft that you need, understand how often you really are going to be chartering, And then when the time comes, you know, you can make a decision if you need a switch or if the program you have is the right one to continue with.
0: You know, it's helpful to kind of speak with individuals like yourself who kind of understand the space holistically and can share some best practices and lessons learned that you've gotten from other clients to kind of help, you know, new wealth creators or existing wealth creators who are just changing their travel profile, make more informed decisions. So really appreciate you kind of speaking through some of the pitfalls and oversights, you know, both with ownership and chartering. Now, I think we're going to kind of close out the podcast. Do you mind just sharing any final thoughts for the listeners, either reinforcing some of the comments you've made before or, you know, just kind of any last words?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, if I haven't said enough, it's, um, you know, once again, if you're brand new to aviation, you're developing that flight profile, um, try to find a flexible program that will give you the ability to, you know, enter the world of private aviation, try different aircraft, um, see what, what ends up being the, the right flight profile for you as you kind of progress into either, you know, more fixed-rate programs, large deposit amounts, or, you know, maybe even ownership, if that makes the most sense. Um, second, you know, as we discussed before, uh, don't feel that, you know, you need to find a program that's going to fit 100% of your flights. Um, every single operator, every broker, every, um, you know, ownership program out there. They each have different specialties. And what's important is to find a program that's going to meet about 80% of your needs um, and make that your primary program. So it could be something that, Hey, I'm going to sign up for a membership that has the aircraft that I want that will give me 80% of the needs. And then I might charter ad hoc for the remaining 20, or maybe I'll, you know, go into a fractional program for a certain aircraft type that, you know, is a slam dunk for me. And then I'll do a jet card for the remaining portion. Um, and I think that's a really good mindset to go into versus trying to find kind of the all or nothing guy solution. Um, and lastly, you know, I really can't stress this enough and really to do proper due diligence of every company that you're looking into. Um, how long have they been around in business? Uh, what type of aircraft do they have in their fleet? As I mentioned before, what's their maintenance and their pilots, where do they come from? Um, even the individuals that you're working with, you know, it's important to find, uh, you know, a broker, it's important to find um, an advisor that you have direct line to them, and you can always speak to them if you need anything. Um, Because they're going to be able to, at the end of the day, guide you on the best choice you know, for your
0: flight needs. Great. That concludes our podcast today. Thank you again, Ari and everyone at EXO for joining us today for a robust discussion on private aviation. I think, look, the COVID-19 pandemic has you know changed the way in which we do business and especially has changed the whole travel industry as well. And I think this is a trend we're going to see more and more with clients in this segment of wanting to find private and really needing to do an assessment on the different options and which is the right option for them. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Please, tune into future installments. We've done ones about consolidated performance reporting as well as cash and liquidity management and have a lot more to come. So thank you again for your time and please join us for a future podcasts.
2: This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UBS Financial Services, Inc., and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author of the securities or views stated herein. Any specific securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. The past performance of index is not a guarantee of future results. Lyrical Partners and its employees are not affiliated with UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS 2021, all rights reserved. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS A. Member FINRA SIPC